morning, or you can look in your Bibles if you like. Habakkuk chapter 3, we're going to be reading just the verses 17 through 19 of this chapter. Habakkuk 3, beginning at verse 17, what we hear now is God's word. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, I have to confess, uh, we are turning this morning uh, to a text we might not normally associate with Thanksgiving. Usually on Thanksgiving morning, I will pick a psalm uh, to reflect upon, a psalm that lists the various things for which we should give God thanks. Or perhaps look at one of the celebrations of Thanksgiving in the life of God's people Israel. Uh, We're not doing that this morning. Uh, We're doing a different type of text today because this past year has been a different type of year. It's been a difficult year. And no matter what you think about COVID-19, whether you think it is a hoax or whether you think it is the plague, no one can deny the fact. Our lives have been radically changed. We have changed where we worship at times. We have changed where we may go out to eat and how we may go out to eat. We have changed how we travel. We've even changed how we vote in a presidential election. It has not been an easy year. For some, a very tough year. And and it's hard to be thankful in those tough times. That was part of the struggle that Habakkuk had. Struggling to praise God in very, very difficult times. We do not know a lot about the prophet Habakkuk. We know he was a prophet to Judah. Israel had already gone into captivity. And Habakkuk comes, he is a contemporary of Nehemiah, And he is a prophet to Judah. Although Habakkuk is a rather short book, we do have some very memorable quotes in this book. We think of Habakkuk 2, verse 4, where the prophet says, The righteous shall live by his faith. That did not begin with the Apostle Paul. Paul is quoting Habakkuk, The righteous shall live by faith. We have those beautiful words in chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That that looking forward to God's final rule over everything. 
And we have those somber words in chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. I remember hearing that uh, growing up as a child before worship services. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. The book of Habakkuk is a conversation between the prophet and God. A conversation about hard times and hard things that will happen to the people of Judah. God is going to bring them into judgment. And that judgment will come at the hand of the Chaldeans. They will come and take God's people away into captivity. Earlier in this book, in chapter 1, verse 6, God says this, Behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breath of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. Their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff. At rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress and they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. This terrible, fearful, ruthless people are going to come and take Judah away captive. And Habakkuk says to God, how can this be? How can it be that these terrible people will take away your people? Chapter 1, verse 13. You who, of are, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at the traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk can't believe it. Yes, God's people are not perfect, but the Chaldeans, really? They're going to come and swallow up Judah? Uh, Habakkuk says basically to God, God, what are you doing? Do you know what's going on? Are you really still in control? Maybe you've asked some of those questions this past year. With difficulties, with restrictions, with all the, the changes that have been made, God, do you really know what you're doing? God, are you, are you really in control? And so, in light of what was going to come upon Judah, the difficulties upon them being taken away captive, we have a small reflection of that in our own life, the difficulties that have come upon us. And this morning, we're going to talk about give thanks anyway. Give thanks anyway. Our thanksgiving is not dependent upon our circumstances in which we find ourselves. That's why he says in, in verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Basically, he says, if all of your uh, agriculture, if all of your animals fail, that's the situation you're going to find yourself in. Now remember, Judah was an agrarian economy. 
This would hit at their finances. This would hurt them, not that they just lost a, a crop, it would hurt them financially. Perhaps this past year, some of you have been very directly affected by the difficulties we find ourselves in, affected financially, affected economically. I don't think, tried to keep track, I don't think anyone has lost their job over the COVID issues this past year, but I know some have lost business, a lot of business. And Habakkuk, when he talks about these things, the fig tree not blossoming and the fruit not being on the vine, he doesn't ignore the reality. He doesn't say this is not going to happen. But he says that, that economic security is not the source of our thanksgiving. Give thanks anyway, in spite of these economic difficulties. For some of us, this past year has been a year of physical challenges. Serious and unexpected illness. And it's hard. It's hard when you're sick. It's hard when you're hurting. It's hard when you're facing death. Not to be overcome by that and overwhelmed by that. But our thanksgiving is not based on our physical circumstance. Perhaps, perhaps for some, we know that for some, this is the first thanksgiving being celebrated without a loved one without a spouse, without a parent, without a close family friend. And it's hard for us. It's hard to, to find reasons for thanks. That we remember that, that even as close and blessed as our family relationships are, they are not ultimately the source of our thanksgiving. We are to give thanks anyway. For some, this past year has caused relational difficulties, strained relations between husband and wife, who perhaps, who perhaps can sit together in church but are far from each other. Difficulties between parents and children. We see our, our children making choices that are, are so hard for us to watch, and it hurts us. And it's hard, it's hard in those situations to give thanks. Perhaps as we gather later with family around a table for a dinner, uh, there will be those who choose not to come. It's hard for us to accept that. But we remember that, that our thanksgiving is not found in our familial relationships. We are to give thanks anyway. For some, this past year has been a year of spiritual challenges. Uh, the difficulties surrounding the changes in worship. Uh, you know, first it was live stream only, and then later it was coming back to limited indoor services, and then it was the outdoor service, and, and then even if we are indoors, we still have to have masks and all the other distancing and all these things. It's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to come to worship and not be frustrated. But we're reminded. We're reminded that, that the heart of our worship is the declaration of the gospel. 
We don't ignore the reality. We don't ignore the difficulties. But we remember we still get to hear the gospel of salvation. In many ways, this Thanksgiving, God calls us to find contentment in very difficult times. I think of the words of 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. If we only have food and clothing, though there be no fig tree blossoming, though there's no fruit on the vines, if I simply have enough to eat and a shirt on my back, with that I'll be content. If I come to worship and have to sit on the ground, but still hear the gospel, I will be content. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, what does the prophet say? Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If all these other things are taken away from me, yet I will rejoice in God, in who He is, in the glories of His character. Earlier, again, in this prophecy, Habakkuk reflects upon God. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God? We're reminded our God is an eternal God. We see only a short, short slice of time. God sees the end from the beginning. He sees all eternity. You know, it's hard to believe. It was less than a year ago, everything was still normal. I know it seems like a long, long time that we've been doing this. It was less than a year ago, everything was normal. And I'm going to be so bold as to say, if we had to live under hardship and difficulty and restriction for the rest of our lives, for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, what would that be compared to eternity? Compared to knowing our God who is eternal and who will take us to be with Him forever. The difficulties, the challenges of this life, while real, pale in comparison to an eternity spent in the glory of our God. The prophet says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? God is holy, God is righteous, God makes no mistakes. Nothing in this world, nothing in this world happens by accident. Nothing is beyond his control. And even though our minds can't grasp it, Habakkuk's mind could not grasp it. We know God is working his perfect purposes out. God is in control. 
and working out his plan, which we know will ultimately be for the benefit of his people. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die, the prophet says. We shall not die. God is a saving God. Look what he says in verse 18. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We shall not die. Even in the trials of this life, we shall not die. God has given us an eternal life, the glories of salvation. Israel or Judah was being warned of impending judgment. And yet, their confidence was in God that he would, for those who would be faithful, take them through this judgment. He would not leave his people. He is a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of love. When we belong to him, we are able to somewhat distance ourselves from our circumstances. We don't ignore our circumstances. We don't think that they're not real. But we say, I can distance myself from that. And I will take joy in the God of my salvation. No matter what plague comes, no matter what financial circumstances I find myself in, no matter who is in the White House, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is the hope for all who find themselves in Christ Jesus. In many ways, Habakkuk here anticipates something else that Paul will write. Paul in Romans chapter 8, these very familiar words, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We shall not die but we shall live with God forever. This is the blessing for those who find themselves in Jesus Christ. We're not surprised that the world is frustrated by what's going on around us. We're frustrated too, but at least we know there is someone in control who will, in the end, take us to be with him. God calls, God calls once again this morning to put your trust, your faith in Him, in His Son, Jesus Christ. Know the assurance of not only this life, but the life to come, where He will lead, and He will guide, and He will direct. We will be satisfied with this life. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And then he concludes by saying this, verse 19. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, he makes me tread on my high places. God the Lord is my strength and, and reminds us that God does know us 
personally. He's the God who is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. God knowing us. God providing for us personally, individually. Not just a God who cares in general. He knows me. He knows my needs. Knows me personally. Reminds me of Psalm 63, where the psalmist in Psalm 63 says this, O Lord, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In a dry and weary land, yet God, you are my God. Reminds us that, that this, this thanksgiving anyway will be expressed in the way that we live our lives, in our thoughts, in our words. I know it is so easy for us to focus on the negative, to focus on all that we don't have. We are called to rejoice. Rejoice in what God has given to us. Again, I'm mindful of the Apostle Paul and his words in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. We read there, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Yes, I know it is easy to let that darkness cloud our thinking, the difficulties we find ourselves. If there are things true, honorable, God-honoring, think about these things. Speak in this way. Live, live a thankful life in spite of what we see around us. Give thanks anyway. Notice what he says here. He makes my feet like the deer's feet. Now, kids, a deer is a very sure-footed animal. Deer can run through the forest. Deer can run on the hills. Deer, they get where they're going. They are very sure-footed. How do we, how do we have a sure-footed life? God makes my feet like the feet of the deers. When I walk, when I run, whatever it might be, when I walk in his path, in his ways, God has given me his word to teach me the path of thanksgiving, the path of the righteous life. He makes my feet go on that way. God calls us to express our thanksgiving in the way that we live. He says, and he makes me tread on my high places. That phrase, to tread on the high places, is a picture in Hebrew of victory. Israel's facing defeat, but the prophet says, you will make my feet tread on high places. I will ultimately have the victory. Victory in the Lord and in what he is doing in my life and in my life to come. He will provide for all of our needs. We will rejoice in him. It's a difficult thing in times of trial, in times of trouble, to give thanks anyway. But the prophet says, chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous 
shall live by his faith, not by the circumstances he sees around him, not by the difficult challenges he faces every day. The righteous shall live by his faith, a faith grounded in the God of our salvation, a faith grounded in God who we read, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. God remains the ruler. God remains in his temple. God remains in control. And because of that, we can give thanks anyway. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of trial, we read, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we do confess it is so easy for us to focus on the negative things around us, on the difficulties we face even on this Thanksgiving day. And yet, Lord, we know that the source of our thanksgiving is not the circumstances we find ourselves in. The source of our thanksgiving is you, for you are the God of our salvation. Help us, O oh God, today and in the days and weeks to come to to think about these things, things that are honorable, things that are glorifying to you, things that build others up and not tear them down. Lord God, we are weak and we are frail and we need your strength to do this. And so we pray that you would allow us to, to have our feet like the feet of a deer's, following in your path. You would allow us to tread upon our own high places, having the victory in Jesus Christ, knowing that we belong to him now and we belong to him forever. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to Psalm 9, number 9b, in the Trinity Psalter, number 9b. Wholehearted thanksgiving to thee I will bring, in praise of thy marvelous deeds I will sing. In thee... I will joy and exultingly cry, Thy name I will praise, O Jehovah Most High. Take note of verse 4. Behold my affliction, thy mercy accord, and back from death's portals restore me, O Lord, that I in the gates of thy Zion may raise my song of salvation and show forth thy praise. We're going to sing all four verses. Number 9b, let's stand together as we sing.
Well, this morning we give particular thanks to God uh, with the uh, Valenciana family that last night the twins were born. Two healthy baby girls, each over five pounds, both doing well. God is so good to us, his people. We will give thanks to him along with the family for all of his goodness to us. Let's join together in a time of prayer. Lord our God, we know how easy it is, it is for us to forget and to thank you for the blessings which you have given. And although we know, O oh God, our thanksgiving is not based on our circumstances, yet the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Truly, we have a delightful inheritance. And on this Thanksgiving morning, we do, O oh God, thank you for all the material blessings you have given to us. Leaving this service, we'll return to our homes. We are not homeless. We are not living in cardboard boxes. But you've given us beautiful homes in which to live. We will get there through modern conveniences like cars. We are, we're so thankful for these blessings you give to us. For others who are traveling this weekend, there are airplanes, there are trains. We thank you for this, oh God. We thank you for all the conveniences you give us in our life. We thank you for microwaves, and we thank you for computers, and we thank you for the internet and all these tools that you give us to use. Truly, oh God, you've been so good to us. We do want to thank you for the health and strength you provide for us day after day. We thank you for the health and strength you give to our children, that they can run and walk and play and all these things. We recognize, oh God, every breath we have is a gift from you, and we give you our thanks. We thank you, O oh God, for our families. We thank you for our spouses, those with whom we share our life. Thank you, O oh God, for providing them for us. We thank you for our children. We thank you for our parents, for these family relationships. We thank you, O oh God, for our singleness, that you give us particular opportunities in which to serve you. We thank you, O oh God, for our extended families. Friends, all those around us, thank you, O oh God, for these relationships. We, we join with the Offinga family and the Valenciana family in giving you thanks and praise for the healthy birth of these two little girls. We have been praying for them, O oh God, and you've been so good to see fit to answer our prayers in such a pleasing way. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. We thank you, O oh God, for your church. We thank you for the means of grace. We thank you for the declaration of the gospel. We thank you for the blessedness of the sacraments. These are gifts from you to us, O oh God. We thank you for the office bearers you give to us. Again, a gift from you. Thank you for our elders. Thank you for our deacons. We thank you, O oh God, for the gift of Christian fellowship, for the fact that we do enjoy being together as we gather for worship. We thank you for our nation, O oh God. We thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. We thank you for the privilege of gathering for worship without fear on this Thanksgiving Day morning. We pray for your blessing upon our leaders. We pray for President Trump. We pray for President-elect Biden, that you would direct them each in the ways of godliness and holiness. 
Lord God, thank you for all of your gifts. You've given us so many things day after day. To spend one day in thanksgiving hardly seems sufficient, and we know, oh God, it is not. But it is a token of our praise, a token of our thanks. Help us to live out this thanksgiving day every day of the coming year. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.